0: Alright, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to the pod. Um, So, this is kind of a late episode. This is going to be my first round preview episode. This is a late episode because I'm literally watching the first round as it happens. I totally forgot that there was no break. I thought there was a one-day break between the play-in games and when the playoffs started, but there just simply wasn't. Um, So, I would have recorded this earlier, but I was at work from 12 to 8 today. So, I even missed the first two playoff games of the day which really sucks because they were both really good games um but we're gonna we're gonna get to uh, the first round in my predictions and why i'm picking certain teams in certain amount of games um i don't i mean i have one upset i literally have one upset and i'm sure you can predict what that upset is but there's a lot of nuance to some of these um series that is going to make this one of the more entertaining first rounds we've had in a while um but, oh my god whatever Regardless. First thing first things first, before we talk about anything, I just want to say rest in peace to um the Steph Curry season. It was beautiful. Um it was something that I really enjoyed watching. I'm really sad that his season's over, but you know It had to come to an end, and Ja really deserved to – Ja deserves to be in the playoffs. After that performance, after how well he played, he deserves to be in the playoffs. And and people are starting to talk more about Draymond and how he's an offensive liability. And I think the future of the Warriors is something that's really interesting to gauge, you know. Do they let Wiseman – because Wiseman leaving, you know – you know, it's hard for rookie centers to be productive in their first year at a high level. It really is. You have your outliers like Joel Embiid, um, like fucking David Robinson, like Shaq. You know, you, you do have the outliers like that. But for the most part, it's pretty difficult for rookie centers to do to exceed and do really well in their um, rookie years just because it's a different level of physicality. It's a completely different game. They're playing guys, you know, they're playing long-time vets, so... We'll just have to see with Wiseman's development. But if that Timberwolves pick converts, right, if it's not top three, the Warriors get it. It's top three protected. So if it's not top three, the Warriors get it in a pretty good draft class. So, you know, the Wiggins contract plus, oh, Pritchard, oh, he bricked. Oh, uh, sorry. The Wiggins contract plus, you know, that first round pick in James Wiseman could get you something nice. Now, is something nice going to be on the market this offseason? We'll just have to see. But the the future of the Warriors is very interesting. I'll be interested to see how Klay Thompson comes back. And I'll be interested to see how Draymond progresses. Because there was a lot of chatter last night about how Draymond was such an offensive liability that it really was detrimental to the team's success. But um, let's get to the first round. We'll start off in... The East, because the East is more boring than the West. That's just true. Um, The 1-8 match, Philly and Washington. I have the Sixers in five. Um, I think that this series will be very interesting because, you know, Westbrook and Beal are playing very good basketball. This Wizards team is playing a lot of good basketball right now. So they're coming in relatively hot. They did lose to the Celtics, but they came out and convincingly beat the Pacers. Um yeah, I didn't really talk about the playing games. Tatum dropped 50. Let's talk about the playing games first. Tatum dropped 50. I was watching with my friends. That was super fun to experience. Um, Kemba played really well too, which is is good. You like to see that. You do like to see that, especially with the absence of Jay LeBron. Um, the Warriors-Lakers game was probably game of the year. It's the best game that I've seen this year. Um, LeBron hitting that three and then, oh, I saw three rims. Yeah, that bullshit. Fuck out of here. <laughs> He's such a liar, dude. <laughs> but um, regardless, they won that. And then Ja just came up big against the um, Warriors. That's who they played. That's who they beat. Um, and like I said, there was a lot of chatter about Draymond being an offensive liability. Pairing with that, though, the Eastern Conference was pretty boring. It was two blowouts, two complete blowouts, and the Tatum dropping 50 in what turned out to kind of be a blowout. You know, it wasn't exactly a blowout, but we just had a commanding lead for a lot of the second half and we were confident that we were going to win the game you know when Tremont Waters gets um PT in a play-in game you know you're in a good position no shade at Tremont but you know for the most part Brad was running like an eight-man rotation Jabari for three let's go but regardless that's the play-in games um like I said Philly Wizards okay Philly Wizards I have Philly in five because I think Russell Westbrook could, you know, have a 30-15-15 game. Brad could drop 50 and the, you know, Sixers can lose one game. But at the end of the day, Alex Len um, and Daniel Gafford, thank you, um, are not going to be able to guard Joel Embiid. That's going to be absolute barbecue chicken. And the Wizards defense is just atrocious. It's just not good, you know. Uh Rui Hachimura wasn't able to guard Tatum because Tatum's too quick for him, and I think he'll have that same problem with Tobias Harris where Bradley Beal isn't big enough to cover Tobias Harris, but Rui Hachimura isn't quick enough to keep up with Tobias Harris. Obviously not to the scale that Tatum did it, but I think it's going to be a lot of the same problems. And also, the way that you beat Philly in the playoffs is having a good defensive scheme, and Scott Brooks isn't going to have a good defensive scheme. It's fucking Scott Brooks. So I'll give Washington one game there, but overall I think Philly's gonna dominate that series. Now the 2-7 matchup, which is Brooklyn and you know, the Celtics. Um I'm watching that right now. Um and we're winning right now, knock on wood. But I don't think we're gonna win the series. Um as a Celtics fan, I have to give us one game. I'm I'm giving the Nets in five. You know, give us game three. Give us one game on the parquet. Is that how you say it? Give us one game at home in the garden, in front of fans. Um and hopefully we can, I, if we get one win, that's all. I, I need one night on Twitter. I need one night on Twitter to reply to Nets fans that call them bitches and frauds, you know, say it, they ain't gonna win the championship this year. I, I I just really, I need one win. That's all I need. And if Tatum drops like 50 and KD goes like one for seven, that would be even better. That would be amazing. But hopefully Boston can pull out at least one game. I'm still going Nets in five. Um, I saw Will on Twitter said that, he had Nets in four, which is honestly, if I, wasn't, if I wasn't a Celtics fan, it's Nets in four. If I wasn't a Celtics fan, it's Nets in four. But as a Celtics fan, I got to give myself, give me one game, man. Give me one game where down the stretch, 52 gets a steal on Kyrie and the crowd in Boston's going crazy and Tatum hits a step-back three over Kevin Durant and we win the game. Give me one. Just give me one game. Um, but then next up, I have Bucks in six over the Heat. Now, this is interesting because I was able to watch the Milwaukee highlights, so I can, like, go a little bit more in depth. Obviously, the highlights don't tell the the, um, tale of the game at all. But, I mean, they didn't really contain Giannis, right? Giannis had 26 and 18. He was playing really well. And and there are a couple things I saw that are, are intriguing with this Bucks team, right? So, number one is the fact that we criticized Giannis last year for sticking to the defensive scheme late in games, right? Not covering Jimmy Butler late in games. Not uh, demanding that matchup for Bud and not, you know, being like, "Not nah, coach, fuck the system right now. I want to go out there and clamp. He did that, right? Because late, late in the game, I think it was right before someone hit a 3 to make it 107-10 or not 107. I think yeah, late in the game someone hit before someone hit a 3 to make it 107-107 before Dragic hit that 3. I'm pretty sure it was at some point late in the game. Regardless, Giannis was going 1-on-1 with Jimmy and Jimmy was trapped and he was trying to get the ball away and Giannis used his length, pause, and he poked the ball away and then he forced the jump ball. You know, Giannis, Giannis wanted that matchup. At the end of regulation, even though Jimmy was able to get by and make the layup, Giannis wanted that matchup. And Giannis played pretty good defense on it. He didn't foul him, which is amazing, which is the thing that you want to do. You don't want to foul in that situation. You're willing to give them the tie. Just don't give them the lead. Um. So that was good to see that Giannis has kind of changed his mentality overall. Um. Another thing is that I don't know. I don't know. I, I wasn't watching the game, so I don't know. I wasn't able to see in the highlights whether or not the Heat built a wall, but it seemed like there was a lot of Bam bio on Giannis, which I don't necessarily like because Brook Lopez ended up having, you know, Andre Iguodala, Trevor Ariza on him. And in the highlights that I saw at least, there were a couple of big-time clutch tip-ins that Brooke Lopez had. You know, timely tip-ins. And those offensive rebounds and those second-chance points, that's what's going to kill you in the playoffs. Especially in a game this close. Those second-chance points are what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to in the end. And, and to see Brooke Lopez doing that, I mean, it's a difference maker. That's a lot of the reason why the Heat were, were so good last year is because they were making the hustle plays. And from the highlights that I saw you know, the uh, boxer making the hustle plays tonight. But we'll just have to see with this series because although Giannis seems to be less prone to the wall, although Drew Holiday played really well, and although Brooke Lopez's matchup is a huge mismatch, at the end of the day, you're going to get outcoached in this series. You are going to get outcoached in this series because the Miami Heat have Eric Spolstrom. So you know that he is making adjustments, something Mike Budenholzer is not known for doing. We'll see. We'll just have to see. I think I still I, I'm confidently picking the Bucks and Six just because I think that Giannis is coming out with a vengeance. And I'm gonna say this about the Clippers when we get to the West too. But it's just a different vibe this year. They're flying under the radar. They're not the great regular season team. They're not this, you know, the cutesy boys of the of the Eastern Conference anymore. It's it's more of like, hey Giannis, prove it to us in the in the postseason. And that's what he's gonna try and do. Now, on the other side, Jimmy Butler played pretty well. Um, Duncan Robinson, this is why I'm worried about the Heat, because Duncan Robinson played out of his fucking mind. He played out of his mind. And they needed him to play out of his mind for them to stay in this game. J- Duncan Robinson started the game off hot, and then he hit a lot of timely threes down the stretch. So if Duncan Robinson isn't hitting his threes, this game is not a blowout, but it's it's a safe win for the Bucks. So that's what scares me. The two things that scare me about the Heat is that they weren't really able to slow down Giannis in Game 1, and their defensive matchup seemed a little bit suspect. Like Spo's going to have to make some adjustments. And then also the fact that Duncan Robinson played so well, right? And, and role players overplaying their expectations is part of why the Heat are a great team, and it's part of the reason why the Heat went to the Finals last year. But that's concerning to me, because they needed Duncan Robinson to play out of his mind to have a chance tonight. And that's scary. But overall, I think it's important because the Bucks won the close game, right? I think uh, coming into the series, a lot of people were picking the Heat or picking, you know, Heat in seven because we knew that the Heat were going to win the close, grinded out gritty games. And that's just not how it is. That's just not how it was. The Bucks won this one. Chris Middleton hit a bullshit shot, but it went in. We'll see. I'm picking Bucks in six just because I think Giannis, Giannis has something to prove this year. And I think he knows he has something to prove this year. And we're going to see that. Oh my god. I hate playing against James Harden, bro. I hate this. Um, Next up, so Knicks Hawks. This is one of the more... I think controversial series, like a lot of people are picking Atlanta in seven, Nixon seven, Nixon six. I got Nixon five. I'm very confident in this New York team. Who in the hell is guarding Julius Randle? Who in the hell is guarding? If you're going to have Clint Capella on Julius Randle, I'm fine with that. But Julius Randle does have an off the dribble game. Julius Randle is going to force Clint Capella to come out of that paint because he can stretch the floor. Man, if you got John Collins on Julius Randle, that's barbecue chicken. Same thing, not to the extent of Embiid versus the Wizards, but like the same entity of that's barbecue chicken. You know, Julius Randle should be licking his lips if fucking John Collins is covering him. I hope, I hope John Collins is covering him so I can tweet at some Atlanta Hawks fans who I got in a beef with a couple months ago as to whether or not John Collins is a good defender. Which he isn't. He's average. He's barely average. But regardless, I'm going to have the Nixon 5 here just because I think Tibbs is going to outcoach Nate McMillan. I think Tibbs is going to come out with a great defensive scheme for Trey Young. And I think Tibbs is going to really set a tone in this first round. I'm expecting big things out of Derek Rose and RJ Barrett and, and Julius Randle to continue the productivity that he has had. But, you know, we'll just have to see. We'll have to see. I do think that the Knicks, I think the Knicks are the better team by a wider margin than I think people are giving them credit for. And maybe this is because I'm an Atlanta Hawks hater. Fair enough. If it comes back and the Hawks win in seven, I'll eat my, you know, I'll, I'll let this take go ice cold. But I have Knicks in a relatively convincing five. So first round in terms of the Western Conference, my only sweep of the entire playoffs this year is Jazz in four against the Grizzlies. Um, because John Morant, yeah, he shot five for 10 against the Warriors. That's a statistical anomaly. He's not going to shoot that well. John Morant's main game is in the paint and he ain't getting to the paint against Rudy Gobert, right? A lot of the times we talk about how Rudy has been played off the floor over the years because of his drop coverage in the pick and roll, but you can run drop coverage against John Morant. You can, and it's, you're not going to be punished. Nesmith for three. Ah, uh, no, damn it. Regardless, like like what I'm saying is you're not going to get in trouble for running drop coverage against fucking John Morant because he literally shoots one for four from three statistically. That combined with the fact that I think the Jazz do have better depth. The Grizzlies are a very deep team, don't get me wrong, but the Jazz have better depth. Um, Jonas Valanciunas is very important to the Grizzlies' success. He had 20 and 20. Um, when they beat, who did they beat was the 10 seed oh my god who was the 10 seed why am i blanking on this who did they beat down on i don't remember but jonas had 20 and 20 in that game and he played really well and him and rudy gobert i like that matchup for the jazz um i just overall like the jazz a lot a lot better in this series and i think it's going to be a convincing 4-0 sweep the the Grizzlies disclaimer, the Grizzlies might be able to get game 1 because um Donovan Mitchell will be it will be his like first game back so they might be able to get game 1 but I don't think they will I think that they will uh sweep them uh the 7-2 matchup <sighs> excuse me um I have uh Lakers in 6 Lakers in 6 I think LeBron got a lot of confidence from the playing game and I think that Anthony Davis is a nightmare matchup for this team. DeAndre Ayton is a good defender in the post. He doesn't have the speed to keep up with Anthony Davis off the dribble, nor do I like the idea of DeAndre Ayton being dragged out of the paint. To guard Anthony Davis. Now, if they do end up trotting out Drummond, which is possible, right? It is possible, and I expect to see both Drummond and Gasol minutes and Trez minutes. All three of them in this series. Because I think Frank Vogel, at least in the first couple of games, Frank Vogel is going to kind of, you know, prod around with uh, the roster and see what really works. Because the Warriors are a bit of an anomaly. They do love to play small. And there are points when the Suns team plays small, but they do have a traditional big at the end of the day. DeAndre Ayton is a traditional big. Now, Jay Crowder on Anthony Davis, which happened in the finals last year, and it was an interesting matchup because Anthony Davis has a tendency to settle for mid-range shots and to sell because he's not the first option in a championship roster. He doesn't have that mentality. So, the Jay Crowder, I expect to see a lot of Jay Crowder on Anthony Davis, but... If you're running Anthony Davis at center, does that mean that LeBron is being covered by DeAndre Ayton? Or, like, that means that if if they're running Anthony Davis on, at center when DeAndre Ayton is on the court, that means, and Jay Crowder is covering, that means a wing player is being covered by DeAndre Ayton. And that's a huge mismatch. That also means that DeAndre Ayton is sucked out of the paint. And that's a huge advantage when you have LeBron James on your team. Um... So I'm interested to see Phoenix's defensive identity and defensive matchups on this uh, in this series. Um, I was just listening to Zach Lowe podcast earlier this morning when I was driving to work, and and the guy, the guest he had on, was talking about how the Suns throughout the year like flipped the switch, where they started out playing amazing defense and their offense was kind of middle of the pack, and then towards the end of the year, their offense has gotten elite and their defense is terrible now. Like, it's not good, which is not what you want to see going into the playoffs. So, hopefully, the Phoenix Suns can put up a fight. I want to see Chris Paul win this series. I want to see Chris Paul win a championship. But will he? Probably not. I'm I'm not picking against LeBron. LeBron in six, okay? Next up is Denver-Portland. I'm picking Nuggets in seven just because I think both sides have the same advantage, right? Who the hell... Oh, wait, 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 back to the Lakers series really quick. This was really interesting. I noticed this in the plan. Dennis Schroeder got played off the floor for, in favor of Alex Caruso, right? Down the stretch of the plan, Steph was lighting it up. He hit a couple of deep threes. They had to take Schroeder out because he couldn't cover him for shit. Caruso came in and immediately forced a turnover. So I think we're going to see... We might not see a ton of Schroeder minutes in crunch time simply because Alex Caruso is the better defender, Right? Because you know that the, the guard play for the Phoenix Suns is really good. And then I think we will see LeBron and Devin Booker in crunch time. We won't see LeBron and Devin Booker in the entirety of the game. They're going to save his defensive ability for late in game. And I think that Chris Paul being covered by KCP is kind of barbecue chicken, but I don't hate that matchup. But we'll see. Uh, back to Denver-Portland. I think both sides have the same exact argument of, well, who's going to guard our best player? Who the hell is going to guard Jokic? Who the hell is going to guard Jokic? Yusuf Narkic? Barbecue chicken, man. Come on. Quit playing with me. That's, that's light work. And then who is going to... On the flip side, though, who's going to guard Damian Lillard? Who is going to guard Damian Lillard? I don't know. You tell me. Will Barton? Will Barton's coming back from a hamstring injury, man. He's going to be a step out. I love Will Barton, the defender, but he's going to be a step out. Is Gary, If Gary Harris is still in the Nuggets, I don't know if he is. I think he is. I don't know, though. Yeah, he could, but then you're, you know, shooting yourself in the foot on the offensive end. Fu- no, Compositor's not covering Lillard. Hell no. But this is the interesting thing about the this series and why I have it going seven is mainly on how... Michael Porter Jr. plays. This series could be a five or a six game series if Michael Porter Jr. outplays C.J. McCollum, which I could see definitely happening. I'd see Michael Porter Jr. coming out and dropping 27 points per game on really good efficiency like he has been for the second half of the regular season really establishing himself. And then the Nuggets winning in five or six. But I think that Jokic, the Jokic and MPJ tandem is going to play close to, like, a little bit better than what the Damian Lillard-C.J. McCollum tandem is going to play at, and that's going to cause depth to win this series overall, and the Nuggets, in my opinion, do have better depth, they do have better fitting pieces, and I think that's why they'll eke it out in seven. Um, And then the last series, yeah, last series, Clippers, um, Mavericks. Clips in six. Mavericks won game one. Luca had a 30-point triple-double, but Clips in six. I stand by what I said, and I will stand by this take. Um, I think the Clippers, like I said about the Bucs, have something to prove this year. They've flown under the radar all year, which is great for them. They tanked to get away from the Lakers. which So, again, I think I was listening to Zach Lowe's podcast. Jeff Van Gundy made this point on his podcast. He was like, who knows LeBron James' body, LeBron James's mind, and LeBron James's team Who's the only person that would know it, not better than LeBron, but as good as LeBron? LeBron's coach, Ty Lu, who coaches the Clippers now, right? So Ty Lue has to know something, right? Because in my opinion, meeting the Lakers in the first round is less dangerous than meeting them in the second round or the Western Conference Finals when they have their mojo under them. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather meet this Lakers team in the first round when they're still trying to figure some shit out. They're still trying to figure out some chemistry and... Hopefully try to catch them on their, um, like, on the heel. On their heels? Not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Catch them off guard, basically. But the the Clippers dodged, which doesn't look good for them. And it doesn't, it looks like they're, it, you know, at the end of the day, they are dodging the smoke. And overall, though, I think that um, the Clippers, I don't know, man. I think the Clippers have something to prove, and I think that they'll come out and prove it against the Mavericks. I think Ty Lu's a much better coaching fit for this team than Doc Rivers. And, well, Porzingis didn't even play well, though. Tim Hardaway Jr. and Jalen Brunson. Doreen Finney-Smith. Uh, uh. Granted, because I didn't watch these highlights yet, and the fact that Porzingis didn't play, because that's the biggest question mark. If Porzingis plays well, I can s- easily see this is Mavericks in seven. You know, because Clips and six could be Mavericks and seven like that, especially since the Mavericks took game one, if Porzingis plays well. But Dorian Finney-Smith having 18 points is a statistical outlier. It is. That's not going to happen. He's not going to average 18 points for a series. You can mark my words on that. But I just think that I think that the Clippers are going to really try to come out and meet the lofty expectations we gave for them last year, which was either you win the finals, you lose in the finals, or you lose to the Lakers. And I think that that is how we will see this Clippers team turn out. They did lose game one here, but I still confidently have them in six. I think Paul George is going to come out with something to prove. And oh my God, Time Lord, have my babies. Um, I think that this, this Clippers team is is going to come out and try and Try and prove a lot of people wrong and try and break the narrative of them flying under the radar from this year. But we'll just have to see. Those are my first round picks. So to go over them again, I have Jazz in four, Lakers in six, Nuggets in seven, Clips in six, Sixers in five, Nets in five, Bucks in six, and Knicks in five. Now, a lot of these are short game series. I only have one seven game series. I think a lot of these series are going to be very close, though. They're going to be good games like we've seen so far today. Um... And I think it's going to be a competitive first round that if you just look at how many games it took, it won't tell the whole story, you know. But thank you so much for listening to the podcast. That is the end of this podcast. Um, if you like it, make sure to like it, subscribe, whatever, share it with the boys, recommend it to your econ class. Um, but thank you. Peace.